The strange glowing light pulsed just beyond the moss-covered trail, as if waiting for young Charlie to take notice. After a few moments, curiosity pushed the tears away, and with a final wipe of her nightgown sleeve, Charlie pushed herself up from the ground, facing the pulsing light. More funny little things in this silly dream of mine. So, what are you then? Do you talk? Charlie paused a moment, waiting for the light to do something. And when it did nothing, she took a step toward it. The feel of the cool, muddy ground was very different from the soft moss. As the tip of her nightgown brushed the mud from just off of the trail, it stained along the hem, at which she frowned. Aunt Nani will not like me getting this dirty. Not at all. In so saying, she hiked the nightgown up and made small knots on each end at the hem to shorten the length a bit. There, that should do, she commented to no one in particular as she surveyed her work. Yet, as her eyes drifted back up to the light, she noted that it had moved just a bit further away from her. So, are you tricking me or helping me? Charlie asked, but the pulsing light gave no response. With a huff, Charlie took another step off of the trail and then another, slowly sinking into the soft, muddy ground. It felt cool and squishy between her toes, but seemed firm enough that only her feet were covered. Then, without a second moment of hesitation, she set off after the pulsing light, which continued to keep an even pace between them while shifting its direction slightly every once in a while to direct their course through the gnarled roots of the dense forest. After a bit, Charlie grew bored of the quiet and tried to strike up a conversation with a glowing light. You know, I have an older sister. Yes, her name is Cassie. She's an artist. Did you know that she just went away to a fancy art school? Nani says it's the best thing for her, and that all of us have to grow up now. Nothing but the sound of soft footfalls in the mud and Charlie's voice could be heard as she and the orb of light continued to make their way deeper into the wood. My name is Charlie. Do you have a name? Well, actually it's Charlotte, but everybody calls me Charlie. You can call me Charlie too, I suppose. For a moment, Charlie paused in her monologue. Well, I have to call you something. How about Lux? She smiled at her own cleverness, Lux being the Latin word for light, which she had learned from her sister just before Cassie had gone away to boarding school. For a moment, she idly fingered the small necklace in her pocket and the small star-shaped locket in the center that held the tiniest photo of her sister. The memories were so strong that she barely noticed the small light stopping in front of her as it merged with a tiny necklace that rested on the neck of an odd parrot-looking bird that eyed her with a cocked head. Oh! She exclaimed as she too came to a stop in the slurping mud. Well, what have we here? I wondered how this thing would work. I send it out and it brings me back. You. Charlie was only slightly less startled that this creature could also talk, but could think of very little to say and so merely blurted out, I'm Charlie! Who are you and why are you in my dream? The large Kia straightened its head slowly and fluffed its wings as it settled into a more comfortable position on the low-hanging branch. Why, hello, Charlie. My name is Crafton, 
And yes, this is a very silly dream, isn't it? Perhaps you should just go back to sleep and wake up at home in your warm bed. The bird's eyes were so mesmerizing that Charlie found her head feeling very light. And in spite of herself, she yawned and rubbed her eyes. I'm just in a dream. Yes, yes. I should have just stayed in my bed. Charlie replied in mid-yawn. There, there, little girl. Just settled down on the ground. Really, you are just in your bed at home. Go back to sleep. Before you know it, everything will be back the way it was. The bird's voice drifted off in her mind as Charlie settled herself on the muddy floor of the forest, soaking her nightgown with the dark coloring of the odd forest earth as she did. In a few moments, the little girl was sound asleep on the forest floor, and so Crafton released his use of the pendant that hung around his neck. After a moment, he hopped down from the branch and walked his way stiffly over to the girl, nudging her with his strong beak before nosing into her pocket and withdrawing the small necklace she had been hiding there. With a deft flip of his head, he wrapped her necklace around his own neck and with a great lunge, flapped himself back up to his previous perch. Like taking candy from a baby, he cackled. Well, go on and bring her, he called out to the dark wood. I certainly can't lug something that large about. Why the old hag wants a silly little girl is beyond me. A lot of useless whimpering and simpering. As the large predatory bird continued its monologue, four dark shapes moved silently out of the darkness toward the sleeping form of Charlie. Their hardened shells glistened in the faint moonlight as two aligned themselves on either side of the girl, tilting their shells to the earth and shoveling her onto their backs. Then. Stepping in unison with the girl atop, the giant tortoises moved the sleeping Charlie yet deeper into the wood. With that, the large alpine parrot lifted itself off of the branch and flew off expertly between the large branches of the forest, and all grew quiet once again. Joan grabbed her personal supplies as she exited the company van that dropped each of the night crew at their various locations. Tonight, Joan had been assigned to one of her favorite places, the large department store at the center of the city's retail district. The chill air gripped her as she exited the warm confines of the vehicle, but it was only a few moments walk to the rear door where she swiped her entry key and was admitted with a buzz. Walking quickly through the back corridor to the supply cabinet, Joan grabbed the cleaning cart and began to push it to the elevator to the third floor, which was outlined in bright yellow and marked children's. The children's section was always a mess, but it was somehow a reassuring mess. Children always managed to add something new to every little mess they made. Well, let's see what you have for me tonight, Joan mused as she pushed her cart off of the elevator and into the brightly colored spaces. Toys to the right, babies to the left, and girls and boys straight ahead. In large empty spaces like these, Joan found it more comforting to maintain her own little dialogue. 
usually drowned out by the high-pitched hum of the sweeper as she made her way from section to section. The holidays are here already? Joan mused to herself as her eyes lifted from her work to catch the newly placed ribbons, bows, and bells hanging from the ceiling over the nearest register. And there they were. Red winter boots with light gray changeable stocking slips and a pristine white faux fur edging highlighted by a dangling pair of tiny golden bells. Charlie would love these, she noted as she switched the vacuum off and made her way over to the display for a closer inspection. Then you should get them for her. The voice was so sudden and unexpected that Joan nearly jumped out of her skin. But with great control, she managed to contain her shock and turned slowly to the voice without hinting at her surprise. Oh, I'm sorry. Continued the voice, which Joan could now see belonged to an elderly man with a scruffy gray beard and a twinkle in his eyes. Didn't mean to frighten you like that. I'm just finishing the displays up. Shopping season is upon us now. He smiled broadly at her as he bent to pick up a sack full of ornaments and supplies. Oh, I didn't expect anyone to be around this late. Those boots just caught my eyes all. She shrugged as she began to wind the long cord. Well, they're right cheerful, they are. You should get them for Charlie, was it? If you like them, of course. No, no. Those are out of our price range, I'm sure. Perhaps after the season, there'll be a size left. She commented, lifting the vacuum back onto the cleaning cart. Well, I'll finish here for now. It was very nice to meet you, and it's a very pretty display you've made. Continued Joan as she turned to move away. Well, you have a good evening, ma'am. I'll be around the next week or so. Wouldn't want to surprise you twice. The name's Rupert, by the way. Kurtzman, have a good night, and really, one meaningful gift is worth more than a sack full without. Shrugged the old man as he hefted his sack and moved off toward the toy section. I suppose it is. She replied without offering her own name in return. In a moment, she gathered her supplies into the cart and returned to the elevator. One more floor and her work for the evening would be done. Still, the image of the boots remained. Just wake up. Just wake up. Repeated the small chipmunk as it sniffed and scampered around the forest floor where Charlie had recently lain. Yes, yes, I know. It, it, it looks like an entire army came through here. Noted the finch, who was busily hopping about from branch to branch, tilting its head this way and that. And, and these marks, a very large bird made these, no mistake. It twittered as it hopped across the branch where the Kia had perched itself. I'm afraid this is very bad news. Very bad news indeed. Very bright. Very bright. Replied Mift from the ground before jumping toward the obviously trampled path that led deeper into the wood. Mift, we need help. Better to return to Adeline, I say. But of course, you won't listen, will you? Very bright. Very bright. Very bright. Replied the voice, each further away than the last. <sighs> you don't have any idea what you're saying, do you? I thought not. Twittered the finch as it took flight and dipped and dove after its friend. The pair continued their hunt, following the trail for quite some time until they heard noises ahead, in which both drew up quietly on a low-hanging limb, looking cautiously at one another and straining to see through the thick undergrowth in the dark forest shadows. 
You found her so soon. You are resourceful, aren't you? A great blue heron stood solemnly in the center of a small clearing that lay just outside a circle of towering stones. A plume of gray-blue feathers arched up and away from its head. Regal neck curved just slightly, and sharp orange beak swishing back and forth as it spoke. You have what you want now, the star. Where can I find it? The speaker could not be seen from their hidden vantage point, but this could only be the large bird that ensnared the young human child. Tisk tisk, straight to business you outworlders always are. My guide will take you and your friend there, never fear. But first, perhaps you would consider one more favor for me. I have done what you've asked. I've had enough of your petty little quests. Show me this guide of yours and get some other underling to handle your dirty work. Very well, but you realize you are merely doing the bidding of someone else. I was going to offer you something that you yourself could use. The heron turned and began its stiff-legged walk back toward the opening of the stone circle. Let's not call me unreasonable. What, uh... What is it that you're talking about? In a sudden flurry, the brush in front of them swished violently aside as the face of a giant white tiger peered through. Rows of sharpened teeth glinting dully in the night as a low growl echoed from its chest. Only instinct saved the pair as they fluttered and flipped just to the far side of the tree where they clung like stone to the bark. What is it, Marvelous? The hidden speaker asked with curiosity. The tiger made a great sniff of the air before deciding to withdraw back into the clearing. We're being watched. We should be off. Just a moment. I'd like to hear this proposal. Replied the voice again. And then a great fluttering as the green bird plunged to the ground and followed the heron into the stone grotto. Don't you have an errand to run, Marvelous? The voice of the great heron drifted back to the large white tiger, who pawed his way back to the slate tablet it had momentarily rested on the ground. Taking it again into its mouth, the large cat padded soundlessly into the wood. When all was quiet again, the finch and chipmunk skipped and flitted away as quickly as possible. This was news that must reach Adeline and swiftly. The human would have to take care of itself for the moment. Charlie awoke in darkness, her once pretty nightgown now sticky and wet. She was cold and the ground was hard. Her hands were bound and her eyes and mouth were covered with something that smelled old and musty. It was a nightmare. It was awful. And no matter what she did, she could not make it go away. After a moment of thrashing about, however, the constraints seemed to loosen. 
They felt pulpy like vines around her hands, and with some more careful movement she managed to get her hands free, allowing her to remove the damp and stinky cloth from her face. She sat up in total darkness, feeling smooth wet rock beneath her and not very far from her seated head. Carefully she tried to stand but found the ceiling was much too low for that. Hello? 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 Her voice echoed against the hard rock. She had never been in a cave before, but had seen a video about a cave rescue in class. This must be what that felt like. Involuntarily she shuddered. But she knew that she needed to do something. Well, if this silly dream is not going to come to an end by itself, then I suppose I'll have to do something about it. Why, yes, you will, my dear. Ah! This time she did shriek and jump and hit her head and cry out from the pain of that and then just started to cry. <laughs> as she huddled with her arms wrapped about her legs in the pitch darkness. Oh, my dear, please, I didn't mean to frighten you. I have been here all along, tied up next to you. I thought... I thought that you had seen me clearly, replied the voice, after her sobbing began to subside. Listen, I too am captive, but you have found a way to get free. How... how can you possibly see me? Queried Charlie as she bravely choked in the remainder of her sobs. It's too dark in here. Oh yes, very silly of me of course. I cannot see anything, my dear, for I am blind, replied the creature from somewhere to her left. Well, that doesn't make any sense. If you are blind and it's completely dark, then how could you possibly see me? Well, my dear, you're not the quietest of creatures. You make a lot of noise. And well, noise helps me to see, responded the creature who now made a few shuffling movements of its own. It suddenly dawned on Charlie that there was only one creature she had learned about that could use sound to see. You're a bat! She shrieked as she shuffled herself away from the sound of the creature's voice. With a sigh, the creature seemed to slump, its voice now holding a hint of sadness. Yes, yes. Everyone is frightened of the bat. I do not know why. It would never hurt you. Unless of course you are a juicy piece of fruit. But I can tell that, that you are not. So, so no. B but listen. We can help each other, no? I, I can see. A and you can help to set me free. If you do that, uh, I can lead you out of this cave before the others they return. Struggling to control her breathing, young Charlie took several large breaths before responding. Then, she remembered something from her science class about bats. But I thought that bats were not blind, that they could see very well? Ah, well, that is, unfortunately, a very sad story. I would be glad to tell you someday, but perhaps we could get out of this place first? creature responded encouragingly. Okay, okay. If you are tied up like you say, I suppose that you can't be one of the bad ones. 
This she said while slowly making her way back toward the voice. If you try to hurt me, I will hurt you back. Oh, no, 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 no. Jeremy only keeps his promises. Do not worry. I will help you and we will become good friends. After a few more careful shuffles along the ground, Charlie reached out a tenuous hand, which touched soft, warm fur. Your fur is so soft. Charlie commented offhand as her hands worked their way down his back between his wings, which were pinned tightly to a cord of knotted vine that seemed to wrap him entirely. But of course, all bats pride ourselves in maintaining a clean and professional appearance. Just, just because we work the night shift does not mean that we must be stinky and dirty. Oh, I'm sorry. I guess I don't know very much about bats at all. Noted Charlie as she began to tug at the vines until she found one that was not as tight as the others. No, no you do not. B but it is okay. We bats are used to these things. People often make judgments about others that uh, look or sound or act differently than they do. Yes, you are right. Cassie used to say the same thing to me all the time. For a moment, they sat in silence as Charlie continued to work to free Jeremy from the tangle of vines. And after a few moments, the bonds became loose and slid to the ground. Ah, yes. Ah, that feels so good. Now if only I had a juicy orange, this would be a perfect day. <laughs> In spite of herself, Charlie laughed, something she had not done since arriving here. Okay, now, how do we get out of here? Aha! Now, Jeremy will save you, just like you saved Jeremy. Come, we must go deeper into the cave in order to avoid the entrance you came in. That way will only result in our capture once again. With that, the pair began a slow and careful crawl deeper into the cave, with Jeremy offering soft warnings or advice about the terrain ahead from time to time. Part of Charlie is voiced by Jolene Fresquez from Dice Tower Theater. Salazar the Yellow Finch is voiced by Brad Zimmerman from the Gigantic Adventures of Jeff and Simon. Mift the Chipmunk is also voiced by Brad Zimmerman from the Gigantic Adventures of Jeff and Simon. Adeline the Antelope is voiced by Alexandria Young Ray from Pomegranates and Pitchforks. Marvelous the White Tiger is voiced by Mike Ashley from Dice Tower Theater. Millicent, the Great Blue Heron, is voiced by Carrie Coelho from Elderberry Tales. Joan Williard Stewart, Charlie's aunt, is voiced by Nikki Richardson from Top of the Round. Brian Burke, the Maintenance Chief, is voiced by Jordash Richardson from Top of the Round. Jinx January, the Building Manager, is voiced by Kenneth Eccles from Podcast Reviews, Reviews Podcast. Mr. Kettle, the Landlord, is voiced by Mike Atchley from Dice Tower Theater. Jeremy, a fruit bat, is voiced by Daniel Nichols from the Happy Go Lucky podcast. Old Pete, the Kakapa, is voiced by Sean Yates from Kid Cryptid. Crafton, the Kia, 
is voiced by Kenny from A Necessary Evil. Ferris the Wolf is voiced by Carrie Coelho from Elderberry Tales. Miss Fillmore, the child services worker, is voiced by Alexandria Young Ray from Pomegranates and Pitchforks. Miss Oldmeyer, the caregiver, is voiced by Bob Anit from the Drive With Us podcast. Rupert Kersman is voiced by Jordash Richardson from Top of the Round. The Stone Lieutenant is voiced by Nikki Richardson from Top of the Round. Charlie Saves Christmas is an original story written, produced, and narrated by Daniel Nichols from the Happy Go Lucky podcast and is made possible by our patrons and the support of our listening audience and the tremendous voice talent of our many podcasting creators and friends. Please join us in applauding the tremendous talent of these wonderful friends and creators and be sure to discover a whole new range of fantastic content as you explore each of their podcasts and creative endeavors. Thank you for listening and subscribing. For more information about this story and other productions of the Happy Go Lucky podcast, visit us online at happygolucky.com. Lucky is spelled L-U-K-K-Y. From all of us at the Happy Go Lucky podcast, we wish you a very Merry Christmas and a wonderful holiday season.